what the Lord's been working on me this week. Um, it's kind of given me a, a download of what <clears throat> unconditional love looks like. And it gave me a di- he gave me a different perspective for the last few weeks. And me personally, no, uh, yeah, I'm your pastor, so bear with me, forgive me. But, but if things don't go right, me personally, I just tend to shut down. Me, me, me and my wife had a disagreement, and I just shut down, and I can go without talking to anybody for like a week. Like, I just so <laughs> can anybody, oh, can anybody relate? Like, uh, go away, shoe fly, don't bother me. <laughs> no, but it, um, it's very interesting because it could be even for like, your kids or your friends or your coworkers. You're just like, it's easy to shut people out, right? It's easy for me to do that, but the Lord's been talking about unconditional love to me. And do you realize your husband, your wife, your friends? they're not going to meet all your conditions? Because if they met all your conditions, we'd have no concept of what unconditional love looks like. I believe to be an effective witness to those that we come in contact, we have to understand what unconditional love looks like. I met none of Jesus' conditions before he died for me. Not one. As a matter of fact, it just says, you know, we cursed, we turned our back on him, we sped on him, and he still went there. So when we go into the world as an effective witness, we have to understand they're not going to meet, the world's not going to meet our conditions. They're not going to have the same religious views, not going to have the same political views, they're not going to have the same financial views. But that doesn't change what God's assignment for us is to love people unconditionally. Say, somebody say unconditional. Amen, amen. You got your Bibles. Do you like your Bibles? Do you read your Bibles? I listen to my Bible. I always like to get people when I say I don't read my Bible and I'm a pastor. Because I always listen to it. I love listening to it, laying down in the bed. I know my wife sometimes because there goes Paul yapping away while she's trying to sleep. (laughs) All right, two scriptures are going to parallel each other, but I want us to to go to John chapter 3, verse 14, and we're going to get started. Keep your finger there on John chapter 3, verse 14, as well as Numbers chapter 21 in verses 1 to 9. I'm going to hit one, we're going to flip, and I'm going to talk to you today. Is that okay? Amen. I'm ready. You ready? Keep John chapter 3, verse 14. I think I'm going to start with that one so we can get the parallel, the concept of what I want to talk to you about this morning. Verse 14, and just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Very familiar passage of scripture. Now, if you have your finger there, go ahead and flip it over to Numbers chapter 21. We're going to go 1 to 9. This is a lengthy portion of scripture, but I want us to stay there, stay here, stay focused. I don't know, statistics say every seven minutes we choose to tune out, so I think about four times you're going to... Tune me out, that's okay. (laughs) Verse 21. When the Canaanite king Ered, who lived in the Negev, heard that Israel was coming along the road to Atherim, he attacked the Israelites and captured some of them. Then Israel made this vow to the Lord. If you will deliver these people into our hands, we will totally destroy their cities. The Lord listened to Israel's plea and gave the Canaanites over to them. They completely destroyed them and their towns, and the place was known as Hormah. Verse 4. They traveled from Mount Hor along the route to the Red Sea to go around Edom, but the people grew very impatient along the way. 
They spoke against God and against Moses and said, why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There's no bread, there's no water, and we despise this miserable food. I don't know about you, I couldn't go weeks just going off man. I might be in the same boat complaining about my food a little bit. But verse six, then the Lord sent venomous snakes among them. They bit the people and many Israelites died. We, uh, we sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you, Moses. Please pray. We pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. Here's what they prayed. Lord, take the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people. Verse 8, we're almost done. The Lord, and, and Moses, the Lord said to Moses, make a snake and put it on a pole, and anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. Last verse. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it upon a pole. Then when he was, anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, they lived. I believe we have a picture that I wanted to show you on the side screens, if we could put that up right now. There we go. Awesome. See, very interesting I find in this passage of Scripture is the people prayed for the snakes to go away. God didn't take the snakes away. He just gave the ability to them to not be affected by the snake bite. Isn't that very interesting? Isn't it very interesting that these three Hebrew boys, we know them by the names of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, God didn't take the fire away. He was actually in the midst of the fire. We sang a song about shutting the mouths of the lions. And if I remember, Daniel was in the lion's den, right? Didn't deliver him out of the lions. It's the lions didn't have any effect on them. What does God promise that we're going to go through from trials and tribulations and things in this world? And we have to understand that everything we can't pray away. But God gives us the ability and the grace to actually walk through it gives us the ability and the grace to be able to handle thing, any fiery dart that comes against us. Do you see the parallel between the pole and Jesus now? Very simple, but why? I always wondered, why a snake? Isn't that kind of weird? Why wouldn't you, like, throw a lamb up there? You know, that would make more sense or, or something like, you know, it's a snake. Like, the most, and always a picture of Satan and his evilness. And uh, it, you have to understand the parallel. When the people fixed their eyes on this snake, what happened? When they turned their focus, any bite, any venomous snake had no effect. Have you ever, you don't have to admit to this, have you ever seen snakes on a plane? <laughs> oh, Sarah, you shouldn't have raised, put your hand up. You saw it. No, I saw it too, but listen, people, I got like a five out of 10 review because people thought, wait a second, this little plane here 300 venomous snakes and like nobody died? How is that possible? Because when God shows up in the scene and we fix our eyes on him, he can actually trump the natural with his supernatural. So it's called the kingdom of God. The moment we accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, it actually the kingdom of God comes upon us and we're not bound to the laws here on earth. This is a very interesting scripture that I'm about to read. It blew my mind for many years. I didn't understand it, and it made me think God was cruel. And here it is. You don't have to turn there, but Isaiah 53.10 says, It pleased God to crush his son. 
glory and say, Jesus, how could I, I couldn't crush my own son. I would just be devastated. But no, when God looked up at the pole, he didn't see Jesus. He saw the serpent. He saw death, hell, and the grave up there. So that's why it pleased God to crush his son because he put all of sin in humanity, sin upon that caused by the serpent. So when he was crushing Jesus, he was crushing the devil. And the Bible says he took back the keys of death, hell, and the grave. That's what pleased him. So now when God sees the serpent, he sees it crushed. So then he can turn back and look at us and look at us just as if we didn't see sin. Just as if we walked the life Jesus walked. Come on, I'm not maybe not peeling back too many onions at Revelation, but sometimes we got to come back to the cross and just simply preach Jesus and him crucified. Come on, somebody. Are you still saying with me? So just for a moment, I want to talk to you about what the kingdom of God is. The moment we accepted Jesus Christ, as our Lord has said, we're, we're now adopted into this kingdom of God. Do you remember the Lord's prayer? Nevertheless, not my will, yours be done, thy kingdom it's the king's domain coming on behalf of our lives. That's how we can get bit in life and still survive and still be like, shake it off. It's not going to bother me. I know my God is for me and not against me. Don't grow weary and well-doing for in due season. He will reap a harvest if we faint not. That's how I can quote those scriptures. My, my wife sometimes like, how do you not let things bother you? How do you not get shook on some circumstances? I told this story before. I was... I was uh, scuba diving to get my certification, and eight people were, were there along me on this certification, and, and the instructor went and turned, off, turned on all of our tanks, you know, so we can breathe underwater. Very, a long story goes short, we all went down 60 feet, and I couldn't breathe because the instructor accidentally turned off my oxygen. I'm 60 feet down, and if any of you know about scuba diving, if you rush to the surface, your lungs could explode, and you can cause some serious damage. Or, that's option number one. Option number two is know that he is God and he is for me and not against me. So I went and gave the signal to my dad, who was my kind of my scuba buddy dad, and I went like this, which means underwater you can't talk, by the way, so I, that means no oxygen. And he just simply just went like this, he says, like that, thinking I was joking. How could you be down there for five seconds and not have oxygen? I'm hey dad, so he just swimming away, and I'm like chasing him down, I'm like, all right. But yeah, I, when I look back, I was calm as a cucumber. Philippians, Paul says to die is, to live as Christ is a die as gain. It's a good deal if we go home to be with Jesus. I mean, I'm for real. Sometimes I'm overly calm about situations, but by the way, I survived that. I did chase my dad and got oxygen. I'm, I'm here and alive. <laughs> Another instance where I was just calm as you know can be, knowing my God is for me, not against me, is I was using a chop saw, and everybody see my little scar here? I came with a chop star wood, hit it, whacked my, whacked my uh, thumb here, was hanging down, bones said hello to me, and I went up, go upstairs and to my wife and say, look what I did. <laughs> She was like panicked, went to, you know, the ER really fast, but, you know, it was a hiccup. I got bit by a snake. That's okay. I used to like blame Satan on everything, even though it was my dumb fault, knowing that I'm not graced for construction, but, <laughs> but anyway, I'm good to go. It was, it was a, uh, the Lord works everything out for the good, and I realized, you know, there was a lesson to learn uh, to stay away from Saul, so, so <laughs> that's a good thing. Amen. The kingdom of God. Now, today we live in this society, um, a democracy. The kingdom of God is not a democracy. We don't get to vote our king in and we don't get to vote him out. And the interesting thing about our king is he goes to battle for us. 
He can actually fight our battles. That's why the best form of government is not a democracy, it's a king. Jesus always wanted to establish a king, even for the Israelites. But they begged God, please give us a king, please give us a king. And sooner or later, you know, God said, let me give you what you want. You're not going to really want it, but I'm going to give it to you. Because I'm going to let you have free will in this situation. And if you read Kings, you read Judges, oh, some messed up kings that delayed promises from God like you won't believe. Because the best form is not just simply a democracy. Pray for my little knowing he's been sick lately. Love him. <laughs> it's okay. Amen. But the, and also in the kingdom of God, it actually kind of seems like it's a little upside down. This kingdom that we signed up for. And I remember Pastor James a few times talked about like, in this kingdom that we live in, we have to like get low and humble ourselves in order to be exalted. Isn't that very interesting? We have to die to ourselves in order to live in, in this kingdom. Of, when Jesus took back the keys of the darkness, now there's no, watch here's what I wrote down. The kingdom of darkness no longer has dominion or authority over us. How does he get it? We either give it to him or we give it to him out of ignorance. So the Bible teaches in the last days, preachers will be preaching about the kingdom of God. And the Bible says, then the end will come. So if we're kingdom, D-U-M-B, about the kingdom of God, that leaves a void of ignorance. And when there's a void of ignorance, that gives an opportunity because the devil will always fill it with his lies. What do you mean the kingdom can come here on earth now? That's another lie from the devil. What do you mean it'll come right now? Don't you just wait? You just barely get by? And then when heaven comes, that's the kingdom of God. And that's the lie that the devil will fill with you. Like you can't reign in life right now. A key to accessing this kingdom of God is living your life separated unto him. You get filled in this kingdom by emptying yourself. Someone say amen to that. <clears throat> One of my favorite passages of scripture, I don't know if it's still like on my Facebook profile, but um, it blows me around 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20, maybe one of my favorite top five. It goes like this, for the kingdom of God does not consist of talk, but of power and demonstration. I believe with all my heart, we're not going to ever be able to really talk, argue someone into the kingdom of God. We can speak, we can have our own philosophies, we can memorize the book of Revelations, but until someone has a divine encounter with the kingdom of God, I think we're talking in void. It says it's not just a bunch of talk, it's actually power and demonstration. Now, I'm not just talking about the signs and the wonders and the miracles and things that make you feel good. Uh, demonstration can also be um, bearing much fruit so the person next to you in your neighborhood sees why things don't bother you why you can cut your thumb, why you can almost drown in 80 foot of water and it still not affect you. Because I know that I live under a different kingdom. And this kingdom is not of this world. The Bible says many times, uh, if you experience healing or there's joy in life, that's a sign that the kingdom of God has come upon you. Matthew chapter 6.33, and I believe I gave that to them. Bible teaches us, but seek first 
very familiar passage, the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added. What are things? Things that you need for life. But here's the kicker. It says, seek first the kingdom. See, if you seek first the things, accumulation, you'll actually, I believe, lose both. What do I mean by both? I mean the kingdom coming upon you, and I mean the things. That's good, Pastor. Say that one more time. See, I believe if we seek the stuff that we can get, like God's some kind of ATM or something like that, and he can just download some uh, $100,000 in our bank account or just make me have happiness and joy all the time. If we're seeking the things, the, the house, the shelter, um, all your friends meeting all your conditions. So if we seek those things, I believe that we can actually lose both. We can actually lose the access to the kingdom of God, and we can actually lose the things that we are actually chasing. Our commission on this earth is to bear fruit so that others can help, can't help but respond. You know we're supposed to be fruit bearers? See, if this was a branch, the Bible teaches us that we are the branches and and God's the vine, right? So the Bible teaches us apart from the vine, we can't bear any fruit, right? This branch can struggle, it can go I just want to really bear fruit. We might be able to tape some plastic fruit to it or, or real fruit and hopefully it'll grow, but it'll just die. Apart from him, we can do nothing. But when we abide in him, when we fix our eyes like those that did in the wilderness to the representative of Jesus Christ on the cross and not fix, take your eyes away from it, we'll bear much fruit. And circumstances won't affect us heard this before like if you squeeze an orange or an apple if you squeeze an orange what should come out I mean if you squeeze an apple what should come out if you squeeze Jesus what should what if you squeeze a person what's it go I just to give you the answer if you squeeze a person what should come out if you squeeze a believer what should come out people will know us by our fruit watch what Matthew 5 16 says let your light shine before men in such a way that may they may see your good deeds and moral excellence. We can do, we got the good deeds things, but there are statutes and laws in the kingdom of God that apart from them, we can't bear much fruit. I like this moral excellence and recognize and honor and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Amen. Has anybody ever drove like a manual car? And there's not too many on the roads today, but probably over half of you. And I believe it's not in the word of God. Not that I found. This is what I believe. This is, I call the Travis Standard Version. If you don't like it, eat the meat, spit out the bones. You ever hear that before? If a pastor says something that's not sitting right, just eat all the meat in the message and just spit out the bones. But I'm going to tell you, here's what I believe in my own life. If we're not moving forward, we're actually drifting backwards. I don't think there's ever anything, uh, if you're going forward and you, you stop coming to church, you stop getting into the Word, you stop having a relationship, that you're just stagnant and staying still. I don't think stuck is a thing. Just a thought. You don't like it. I remember when I first drive a, drove a manual car, I remember going up a hill and someone's right on my bumper. It's like, come on, I can't do this right now. I've got my hand out the window, back up, you know, like that. What is the picture of who's on the back is the enemy, right? And the moment you stick that thing in neutral, you better pray that you gun it, have the perfect timing right, or you're going to come back and you'll have an encounter with what's behind you, right? 
Some of you following me this morning. You fix your eyes on Jesus. We get it in gear. We can't stop. I know because if we're not moving forward, I believe that we're drifting back. Amen. I believe anything that takes our affection from Jesus is an idol not worth serving. And then, like those in the Israelites, we will begin to die spiritually. Fruit will start falling off our trees. People won't want to hang around us. My dad always used to say, oh, some of these Christians are like granolas, nuts, fruits, and flakes. <laughs> he has some of the cheesiest jokes. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's like, oh my goodness, I'll say it right behind the pulpit. I'm looking over here, some of you guys look like you've been baptized in pickle juice, sucking on a sour lemon, so miserable, you know. <laughs> we should have a joy of the Lord. My Bible says we're called to reign in life. Being a Christian is a good thing. <laughs> Do you know that when you're operating under God's dominion, under the kingship, we're actually called, and that goes to my last kind of final point, that we're called to reign in life. Amen. Amen. Let me read this passage to you. Before I read, I want us to understand that reigning in life does not mean like you're controlling others, you're, you're manipulating it's meaning you're, you're above circumstances. Money, like financial money doesn't have you, you have it. You know that God's never going to leave you or forsake you, right? And Romans chapter 5, 17 says this. I like the Passion Translation. Hopefully we got that, but watch what God talks about when, we, when, when we're under this new kingdom of God, what reigning in life looks like. Watch this, verse 17. For if by the trespass of one man, that's Adam, Death reigned through one man. How much more? Someone say, how much more? Oh, come on. Will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness, here it is, reign in life through the one man, Christ Jesus. Does not mean you rule over people. It means everything that's in the natural world that is thrown at you, you reign over. Come on, someone say amen to that. It means you're not easy swayed by circumstances. It means you're bearing fruit, whether the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience are abundant in your life. It means that if you get bitten by that snake in life, you don't need to panic because the kingdom of God has a solution. Heaven has a solution for every problem that you're ever going to face. When I messed up my arm, when I was 80 feet deep in, in water, when, when without oxygen... There was always already, since the foundation of the earth, a solution for the problem that you're going through right now. And the remedy is looking up at that pole, reminding and fix your eyes that he already paid for the solution that is to come. Listen, listen, we have to be very careful when we reign in life because whether, I wrote this down, whether it be socially, financially, physically, like if I'm pretty, I'm healthy, I have no physical problems, um, except a few small things, health, it's always a way to benefit others. People are going to start wanting what you have when you're reigning in life. People are going to know what God are you serving, that when things are all falling apart in your world, you still have a big old smile on your face and you can still lift up your hands and say, well, God is good all the time, all the time, good is life. God is good, amen. 
It's called reigning in life. It's always for the benefit of someone that you're coming in contact with. If you have an abundance in finances, it's, it's to, to benefit someone that needs help financially. It's to buy groceries. It's to sit them on their doorstep. It's to be able to have time on your hands to volunteer for a food bank. That was a shameless plug for the food, food bank. <laughs> By the way, we have like 17 volunteers. Come on, somebody. Woo! It's to volunteer for the upcoming Easter event that's happening. <laughs> We're doing things here at the church. Come on. If you have an extra day of the week, bear much fruit and help us out. Amen. Amen. Worship team, you can come. I see a bunch of fruit bearers up in this place. <laughs> you can stand if you like. You can stand. That's fine. I want to shift. I have a, a brief closing, but it's funny, man, that me and Pastor James were on the same page yesterday. God wants to heal some people of depression, anxiety, stress, weight of the world this morning. The kingdom of God is not just a bunch of talk, but it's a power of demonstration. One of my other favorite scriptures, by the way, you're getting them all, is when the Apostle Paul says these words. He says, I have signs, wonders, miracles, and the presence of God, I have fully preached the gospel. I'm ready for a house that preaches the full gospel. Not sugarcoating anything. Not being okay with when we sin. And we got to get our holiness back together. We got to have repentance and we have to have the fear of the Lord. A few scriptures after that uh, Numbers passage scripture, it actually says after they crossed over the Red Sea and, you know, and got victory, they looked back and they saw all those army men drowning in the Red Sea. And the scriptures teach us that in that moment, it says the Israelites had a new fear of the Lord. I'm not talking about being scared of them. I'm talking about honoring him and respecting him that he is our king. We signed up for it when we accepted Jesus. In the beginning, God says we were fearfully and wonderfully made. The word fear there is the same word used we're called to fear the Lord. It's like a, it's a level of honor that our, our minds can't even comprehend. It's a level of respect that we're supposed to have for our king because of what he did on that rugged cross. Come on, if that's you this morning, let's not be ashamed. We're here. We're going to pray together. If you've been struggling even with types of depression, you just, you, it was even a struggle to come into church this morning. You feel a heaviness. There's so much stuff going on in your life. Let, let the leaders and pastors pray for you. Come on, let's fix our eyes to Jesus. Let's get some things in life taken care of so we then, by a byproduct, reign in life. Amen.